Hola, everyone. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. This is your host, Teresa Gonzalez, and founder of LatinasB2B.com and LatinasB2B.marketing. I want to introduce our special guest today, Elaine Montilla. She is an assistant vice president and CIO for information technology at the Graduate Center, CUNY. She's also a Forbes Technology Council member and writer, but most of all, she's a TEDx speaker and an AMA Women's Leadership Center presenter. I'm so happy to have her today on this podcast. We're going to talk so many things on mentorship, women in tech, diversity, and what it means to have inclusion for women of color in the technology sector, especially in high tech. So welcome, Elaine, to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you as my guest. I was searching for women like you and me who are Latinas in tech and how we came to be in that realm. But not only that, but how how do we get into these realms? Because I didn't see very many Latinas like myself And so when I found you, I believe it was through your TED Talk. And I also found you through some articles just in LinkedIn. And I know you have a website called 5xminority.com, which you do a lot of content writing about how we're miss or just lack of representation of Latinas in tech. Correct. And you and I have that same heartfelt of we need more representation in that realm. It's heavily male dominated. It's so hard to navigate the space. And a lot of us are leaving that realm because we're just tired. It's exhausting. It's just exhausting as a person of color in general, as we hear and as we know today. So I just want to thank you for being a part of this podcast and coming on the show. Because right now, I think Latinas and just women of color in general are trying to hear more of the voice of I'm going to do this. I want to get in there. I want to be in STEM. I want to take my own, you know, intellectual property and make it my own. And I want to start my own business. You know, I, I think that's where a lot of people are because if we wait, what is it? The gender parity for us is like a 174 years. Yes, yes, you're right. And and first, thank you, Teresa, for having me here today. Sorry for the um, long intro. <laughs> no problem. I'm delighted to speak with you and to hear uh, such a beautiful intro. Um, and you are right. It's uh, the number. The last time I checked, it's actually 40% of women in tech leave just after 10 years. And one Incredible. of the reasons that they leave is because of the lack of support and mentorship. And mm-hmm. so... Because, like you said, I didn't have many role models growing up. I decided on my own that I was going to be one for other Latinas who were coming behind me and needed to know, okay, what do I do? What's the trick? What's what's the trick? What is happening? Right. Uh, and so that's how Fabrics Minority started. It was a way of me just writing about my experience and asking oh, myself, cool. what can I share so that other women can read this and find a way to make it to the top? Right. And as an assistant editor to Forbes, correct? For the te- technology, is that correct? 
Well, I'm one of the contributors for the Technology Forum, and I write articles for them that I then translate into my website also. And that's another reason why I wanted to work with Force because of their audience. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I could reach a greater audience and I like writing for other companies. So as long as I'm talking and being annoying, uh, I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're going to see me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like putting the fist in the air through the airwaves on the internet. And that's what I want to keep doing. And I'm going to find more women to do it. Uh, there's a few men out there as well who have just said men of color that are just like, forget it. I'm done. I'm going to do this. And it's all come about recently from something that I experienced and I want to call it ageism, but a lot of younger folks, and this is also my pivot moment is that we were being hired as contractors in tech. We weren't getting hired full time. And I will keep saying this on all the podcasts because for whatever reasons, we don't look like them. We don't talk like them. We're not in the mold that they want us to fit into on the team, but they want our skills and then we're disposable. So I see that as, as a way of disrespect Mm. to a lot of people of color because we work so hard to get in there and we're so excited and we've even left other jobs just to take a contract position, hoping to get in there. And I'm not promoting this podcast to say, that's how you get in. There are different ways. And this is where I want you to share your story and how we can go through those channels to really get up to that C-suite It takes a long time if you're really passionate about a company. It takes a while. And I'm glad you mentioned ageism because I see it happening at other places. And let me tell you, thinking back on my last maybe three hires in IT, Mm -hmm. the senior media services technician that I last hired was over 50. Mm -hmm. The manager for the operations area in IT that the last one I hired is over 50. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the problems that we have that we're not focusing on the actual expertise that a person brings Mm -hmm. and that unconscious bias is part of the problem that gets in the way and that's why I have a ton of recommendations for your audience today you let me know when you want me to get started oh (laughs) please no please it's hard to come into that spectrum I mean we're not HR people and the HR people I don't know they they're they're just another breed, but yes, they, that's another they mean, podcast. yeah, that's another <laughs> podcast and they, and they mean well, but mm. it's not their ultimate decision. It's the hiring team, right? Because they put the recs out mm-hmm. for them. And you know, as I, I've talked about this, it's above their pay grade, right? It comes down from the top of who <laughs> they hire and the numbers because people know what to do. They just don't do it. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, it is, it, I think it's the same, it's the same in education, what you just mentioned oh, with yes. HR. It is not the HR people and it is not the university. It is the system. Mm-hmm. The system was built in a way where it's so difficult to deviate from the norm. Mm-hmm. And if you try, you're going to encounter so many roadblocks and, and issues because you are only one person. Yes. fighting an entire system mm-hmm. where 
maybe 90% of the rest of the community is following that system. So imagine if you're part of that 10% trying to mm. move things forward. It is exhausting, like you said earlier. And, and you know, I don't blame them 100% because they are following rules. I mean, I've mentioned many times that we should remove the names from the job descriptions, but sometimes that's not something that HR was asked to do. So you have wow. to find ways to do it yourself. Wow, we have to remove our names. You know, I saw an article in LinkedIn that a man wrote actually a very long time ago. He got so much shit for saying that women should just remove their names or put their first initial and their last name so that we could get hired more. I totally understand why, but I don't think we should do it. I think the right? hiring manager should remove the names and create what I call blind auditions, just oh. like the boys, right? When wow. I get resumes. Because like the voice? Of, of, like the voice. Yes, just like the voice. <laughs> I, 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 I hope your audience knows what I'm talking about. Oh, they do. But, Trust yeah, me. I mean, I've watched the voice and this is, this is what happened for artists that they were not hired because of the way they looked. Well, mm. we're going through the same thing and that's part of the hiring process in tech that when you read the name unconsciously, you're mm -hmm. given a higher number to the male with the exact same qualifications than when you read a resume with a woman's name attached to it. And let me tell you, it's not only the name, it's sometimes you need to remove the year you graduated from college because mm -hmm. they use that against you. It's, it's actually a bigger problem than most people think. Oh, gosh. No, I know. I saw it. I mean, there were women that I w was working with at Facebook mm. that were women of color and they were seriously asking themselves when we'd have lunch like god i hope i didn't regret leaving my old job for just this contract position because i want to work here so bad and you know i'm like wow you know and, I, and I those just, are tough decisions when you need money mm -hmm. well no but they were being paid the same or less mm. than if they went to another company maybe that was more boring i guess right because right. you know when you're in facebook you kind of you're dialed in yeah it's a, the name. a lot of, yeah and it's the name mm -hmm. but you're through a contractor but i digress and it is not about facebook right now and i did by the way see that movie social dilemma and i'm like oh my god yeah anyway <laughs> i can't even i can't <laughs> yeah but you know that's why we're here that's why we're here so that we can bring about change because I think a lot of people know what the issues are and everybody's mm -hmm. waiting for someone else to fix it. Oh, totally. They are. And we can't do that. I mean, that's why, again, my opinion, why we're here, why we're in this moment and we have to just get out there and do it. We can't change what we want. I think I just posted this yesterday. We can't have what we want if we can't change who we are. So we have to change some things about us to get to where we want to be. And that means getting off the couch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I don't, I mean, that, I mean that in, in a figurative way. I don't mean that in a mean way. I just say, do something. And the more we do stuff, the more things move, you know, cause it's a, it goes up and down and it's really hard. But I, I want to get back to you in this position. You have a very big leadership role in educational institution, which is really awesome. And those are the two big things that I'm very passionate about because <laughs> technology and education really go hand in hand. And we touched upon it a little bit earlier about the disparity in education, which brings me 
to your journey of why you came to the United States when you were mm. 16 years old. And you and I have chatted before, but yeah. I didn't really get the story as to why your mom or your family wanted to leave the Dominican Republic. So please tell us because I'm very curious and interested. <laughs> yes, and thank you for asking. So I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. My dad passed away when I was seven and I Aww. am the, mid- mm-hmm. the middle child, it's three of us. And so mm-hmm. you can imagine my mom stayed alone trying to support three kids on her own. Um, and it actually came to a point where she had to make a decision. And mm-hmm. she understood when I finished high school that the best decision was for her to move to the U.S. Mm-hmm. so that we can have a better future. I don't want to talk about politics, but it's very difficult in my country to succeed unless you know the right people. And I'm sure it's not only my country, it's in many places. What? Is that not the same here? Wait <laughs> a minute. <laughs> probably everywhere. Um, so I came to the U.S. when I finished high school. I did not speak a word of English, but I went straight into college. I went into a community college and I was extremely lucky that a lot of the students were also Latinos. Oh. So Mm-hmm. And so I started with a lot of ESL courses and luckily I love languages. And so mm-hmm. I started to pick up English really quickly. And during my first years there, I worked at the computer lab mm-hmm. as a technician helping other students. And that's where my love for technology and computers actually started. Wow. So just to go back, your mom became a single mom raising three kids yes. in the Dominican Republic. That is intense, I'm sure, because just the economics of being a single mom with probably not a lot of opportunities, it really impacted probably the way you saw a lot of what you wanted in your future. Because my mother was a single mother, right, Mm -hmm. with three kids, and she didn't have any skills. She barely had junior college Mm -hmm. education, a little bit, not very much. So she was held to administrative roles. So the economic platform for a lot of women is you have to marry to get that stability, especially in if you don't have education yes. or, or, you know, you really have to become super desperate. And, you know, I just hate to think of the other way. But yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned that, you know, I never shared this before, but um, in my country, During that time, the men usually worked and Mm -hmm. the women were usually home taking Mm -hmm. care of the house and the children. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad you mentioned this because this connects to how did you make it into being a CIO? Mm -hmm. I watched my mom struggle. Mm -hmm. I watched my mom suffer. I saw everything that she had to go through so that she can support us and she would do anything to yep. keep us in private school before wow. we left the Republic. And so when you ask me, well, how did you make it into CIO? I made it my mission mm-hmm. to make sure that all the sacrifices that my mom went through mm-hmm. were not in vain. I right. made it my mission that I would never depend on someone else for my financial stability because yep. I saw her going through. And I think that's part of the drive that I have in me that always pushes me uh, to be better and to do more for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause we're, I'm the oldest in my family. It was mm-hmm. the same thing. And I said the same thing. I saw the suffering. I saw so much that 
it really was, I'm out of here. And, you know, to be honest, I really didn't want to have children mm. early on because I felt that I needed to have a financial stability first. And this is a personal choice. A lot of women can, you know, they want children and I think they should. But for me going through that, and I'm sure as you saw with your mom, it was just too hard. It's a tough decision. And I mm -hmm. think it's a personal decision also. I, mm -hmm. growing up, I never saw myself married or with kids, which mm -hmm. all my friends would dream about that from the time they were seven. Uh, and, <laughs> and so I think, that was the, that? I think that was the first hint for me that, maybe, you know, maybe you're not so straight after all. But, you know, <laughs> that's another uh, that's another reason, I think, why I'm, I've been able to, to do so much is because I don't have children. I can imagine how mm -hmm. difficult it is for moms to do the work that I do. You know, I was able to stay late if I needed to. Mm -hmm. I was able to go to... I get together after work if I needed to. And that's one of the roadblocks that I know women face today because they're caregivers and they need to go home after work and they mm -hmm. need to care for their children or a parent. And so that keeps them out of the game because mm -hmm. a lot of the conversations that are meaningful happen uh, during a lunch break outside or when you're having a drink after work, which mm -hmm. is insane that this is how it happens, but that's the reality. And that's what we need to understand that even though we think it's crazy, that's what's happening and we need to stop it. And before we stop it, you're either in it or you're out. Right, no, absolutely. And, th and that's what I've said in the past. And, you know, a study just came out that Latinas have been the most impacted in the economic crisis. Mm. And that's because for various reasons that we are, like you said, the caregivers. And when our communities have been impacted by COVID and we are the caretakers in the family or we're scared for our kids and we have to homeschool them and we, you know, the husband or the partner or just the mom can't make it on her own, there's a huge disparity that people don't understand. So how do we get back in the game, level up if you can is you got to partner up with people in the community to support each other. Right. And I've seen a lot of people trying to create apps within the community that want to share childcare if they can. And I don't know how that's being done with COVID. Like everybody has to be tested or you create your own bubbles mm. where you can in your neighborhood or whatever, but it just is so hard. And I really put my heart out there for women who were probably in the middle of getting their higher education or they're trying to level up their skill set so they can get a better job, right? Or the husband too, or a partner. Exactly, right? exactly. And let me tell you, when I went for my master's degree, we actually made an agreement here in the house, you know, for the next two years, I'm going for my master's, you need to help me because I won't be able to do this much work. And then when I finished, my wife went for her master's mm -hmm. and I was helping in the house with the cleaning and everything else. And so you, if you don't have that partnership at home yeah. and it's all on you, I can only imagine how difficult uh, this is and why you would just resign from your job and just stay home. Right. And there's a lot that we can do. And that's why you and I, that's why I do this podcast so that I, we hear you, we see you. There's resources out there. You know, the Central Valley is really impacted out here in California. And I did a podcast with Bitwise and they've partnered with the government to create 
an online service called onward.ca that you can log on to for food services, job resources. And this was done by a Latina. Her name is Irma Olguin, and uh, she's the CEO of uh, Bitwise. And I had a conversation with their VP a few episodes ago. So this is what I mean. It's like we got to come together as community. And tech is a big part of it because we're on tech all the time. You can't tell me you aren't scrolling through Instagram. You're on your Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, doing selfies. And do you know how much you're impacting that technology? You are literally influencing the product development there. And that's why we need you on the inside. Those of you listening, I'm not kidding. And mostly in tech healthcare. So that one brings me to you, Elaine, about why you got interested in tech. I mean, Mm. you said you saw your mom being challenged and you wanted to get a good job and go to school. Yeah. But why, why tech? Why, why did you see tech as, as that? Yes. Um, so I, I, so three parts. The first one is when I started working in the computer lab and I'm, I'm a people person. So helping others drives me and mm-hmm. I love doing that. So that was one reason. The second one is my brother, the oldest, he's into tech and gaming. And oh, so God. watching him got me really curious about what's possible. Mm-hmm. And then the third reason is that I don't know if you remember, they give you these assessments at the end of your college where they try to tell you which jobs you can go for. Oh, I think it's the stupidest thing. Right. And I, <laughs> so like, I, I just want to do this. And then they'll even tell you, like when you go to your professors, oh, well, I don't know if that's really a good fit for you. It's like, who the F are you? <laughs> exactly. So I did that stupid thing that you call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two came up for me. One was psychology and the other one was technology. And, you know, believe it or not, it was accurate because I did love both. I love mm-hmm. people. So I love psychology. And when I met with my advisor, I asked, well, how long would each one take? Mm -hmm. And knowing that I needed to help my mom and I needed to help in the household, I said, this is a no brainer. I need to make money faster. I cannot have four years here and two years there and then open my own, you know, facilities Mm -hmm. so that I can then take Mm -hmm. clients. And that's one of the reasons I went for technology. I love technology. I'm curious about knowledge. I love learning new things. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing that changes faster than technology. Mm -hmm. And I needed to make money. So I went to a technical college to get a degree and get a job. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to get my bachelor's and my master's after mm-hmm. I was already working. And let me tell you, my whole life I've worked and gone to college at the same time, mm-hmm. which it's I hard. know is possible for everyone. And that's those are the things that a lot of people don't know or don't understand that we don't have that privilege of, well, let me do one first and then the other. No, I need to work and then I need to study at night and during the weekends. Mm -hmm. And we do that uh, throughout and still today because I I mean, I love learning. So I'm always taking classes online and and that's that's what helped me uh, move forward. Yeah, no, that's spot on about what I did pretty much as well. I had to work during the day, go to school at night and the other day I was asking my husband, I'm like, you know, I don't know when I slept, really. I think I slept like five hours a day. I don't know because. <laughs> <laughs> People used to ask me that question before. 
It's like, when did I sleep? And I said, it must have been on the weekends or something. I don't know. I can't. Re- I'm like, it was all a blur back then, but I just got it done. And I've done a lot. I moved up here to the Bay Area mm-hmm. because I was really into music and creativity, but I was also wanting that knowledge from, but I did, I don't know. I just wanted to get out of yeah. you know, where I was and it was a good thing. And that's part of probably your journey, right? Or Yeah. But you know what happens? I realized that when you love something, when you're passionate about something, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like work and you don't feel tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right now I have my full-time job as a CIO and I have 5X minority. And I can tell you the work I do for 5X minority it never feels like work. And I'm mm-hmm. always more energized when I finish mm-hmm. than than before I started. Oh, no, I know. I know what you mean. I think I've said this to you before. We're building that bridge to give back because we mm. know what it is. I always say, I make a funny reference that, you know, I'm a Chicanosaurus because I've seen my mom and my grandma and here I am and the ageism in... in um, the big tech, the the fangs, I call them the fangs, right? Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, all that. But I just want to say that we, you out there, are the new workforce that is going to influence so much. You're already doing it now. And how you do it is really leveling up your tech skills. And it's not learning, you know, all the cool features in your iPhone, which is really cool, or TikTok. But if you could just learn all of that in coding or how product design is done or how you can manage more phones through an IT system, like so many things that you can do beyond that, because that already shows how smart you are. If you're interested in knowing how Mm. the features of an application work, I mean, you're really primed to be somewhere on the other side. Because you you probably go through it and say, oh, this is the stupidest feature. Why didn't they do this? Or why can't they do that? And, you know, they they probably can if you were on the other side, because that is the problem. Mm -hmm. You're not on the other side. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, make sure you keep your options open. Mm -hmm. Don't go in one lane and stay there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why being curious is so impactful because you don't become a CIO if you only like networking or if you only like programming. You have to know it all because you're overseeing the entire department. So be curious about it. I wanted to learn WordPress. I went online and I learned WordPress. Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn. I love project management. I became PMP certified. Mm -hmm. These are some of the little things that would help you make that jump into the next level and the next level. You have to be curious and you got to want to learn something different every year. Yeah, it it keeps you going. I know people's faces are stuck to their phones and looking at stuff and they do want to learn. It's just, you know, I would say take it to the next level because you can. There's a lot of information out there. Yeah, and it requires a lot of discipline. So if you don't Mm -hmm. know how to put an hour away every day to do that one thing you want to do, then it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, or even 30 minutes if you can. Just put 30, give yourself 30 minutes. What is uh, Renee Brown says, make your personal fort. Give yourself that personal, like, this is my time, my space. I need to think, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody come around me. 
go lock yourself in the bathroom for a while or whatever you need to do to like have yeah. your own space to yeah. think. That's what I do when I'm writing an article. <laughs> Nobody talk in to me bathroom? for the next hour. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm doing research here, people. Oh my God, that's so funny. So I want to talk about real quick, the ERGs and diversity mentorships that try to exist in these companies because I have seen them, I have been a part of them, and I have a lot of opinions about them. But I'd love to hear yours first. <laughs> you mentioned three huge topics all at the same time. Oh, dang. Uh -huh. But let me start with ERG because okay. uh, I've been thinking and talking about them more recently. And the first thing I want to say is that there is a ton of value in having ERG groups. And if you don't know what ERG means, it's employee resource groups. Mm -hmm. And you know, originally they were created to ensure that people with a common background can get together and we can share information. And there is a path for mm -hmm. growth and maybe mm -hmm. to go into management, which I think it's amazing. A lot of them are led by volunteers and a lot of volunteers don't get paid for the time that they spend doing this work. A lot of the uh, volunteers don't get administrative support. Uh, a lot of volunteers don't have a budget assigned to ERG groups. And so I think that's one of the issues that I have personally with ERG mm -hmm. groups. I think they're great if we take care of them. I don't like it when companies try to use ERG groups as the solution to all their problems, as the evidence that we are diverse. Window uh, dressing. I, I call yes, it window dressing. Exactly. And I mm -hmm. see that happening at times. And so let me tell you, I, I don't have ERG groups. I see everyone in my team as a human being. Mm -hmm. I don't need to separate them or put them into boxes, which is what society has tried to do with me since mm -hmm. I was born. And mm -hmm. uh, I have many boxes there. So I, I, you know, my opinion in general is that if you start seeing people as people, you wouldn't worry so much about all these issues that we have today. Mm -hmm. Google, I'll just bring up Google because I was there. Okay. And they had a big Latino ERG group, right? Employee resource group. And anybody could join that work there. Well, I was a contract worker, and but there are a lot of employees that are there. But these folks that are there in that group come from all over the world. They've come, but they've had private educations. Mm. They have had private schools and private colleges that are hired and that are in that group. And when you're trying to, you know, compare apples to apples, it's really not the same when you're talking with them and you're trying to share an experience. Mm. And there's different Latino groups. There's a lot of baggage that comes in, right? Where everybody starts to be cliquish in the group. There's only certain things that they can do or they don't want to share information. This was at Google, mind you. This was at Google. It was a trip there. And I found it very hard to say, how is this group really supporting all of us when here you have contractors who are trying to network and to be supported and to be seen, mm. but we're not really supported and seen. And why is that? Well, you could see the disparity because a lot of contract workers had state college degrees, right? 
and they yeah. weren't from you know these private institutions or very top 10 Ivy League schools right and that's that's I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the biggest issues that I see right now for women going into STEM you know mm. a lot of these technical recruiters go to Ivy League school that's mm -hmm. where they get their employees from they need to go to community colleges they need to go to public schools. There is a lot of talent there. And what happens now related to what you just mentioned is that a lot of companies wanna just have a check mark and they just wanna be able to say, well, you know, I hire a Latina, so I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or I hire a black person and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And that is when the work really starts. Hiring someone is just the beginning. Once they are hired, you want to make sure that they feel that they belong. Yes. You want to make sure that they feel that they have a voice and that their voice matters. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you pair them the first few weeks with a senior person so that they can learn about the culture, so that they can learn about the work they need to do. And what I see happening is that we hire people and then we forget about them. And then we expect them to figure all of these things on their own. Mm -hmm. And no wonder the yearly review comes and... I mean, this better not be the first time that you tell me something is not working. So that's uh, <laughs> a lot to follow up on there. But the recruiting part, it's only the beginning. We cannot forget about that. And it cannot come from ERG groups. These messages need to come from the top of the company. They mm -hmm. need to come from the CEO. They need to come from the CIO. They need to come from everyone, but especially mm -hmm. the top. Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack, I know. And it, like you said, I, I just call it window dressing because <laughs> when I see the numbers that are in those groups, if everyone was hired in that group, there'd be more representation at that company. But because it, they are not all hired employees and half of them are contract workers, the numbers are low. So yeah. it's, it's, it's very... It, it, it blew my mind. So this is why I want to get more women of color and in the C-suite or that have been in these companies that are building the bridge, want to be mentors, give us the advice that we need to navigate that space or to just give us the real deal of what's really happening there so yeah. that they can either interconnect the disparities and make it better when you get in there and talk it out or you build your own goddamn company. That's what I'm saying. Just make, your own, make your own table and walk around with it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, right now, if if I could put what I know now it back into my 20-year-old body, it's like, forget it. I try not to go there about my math skills and all that stuff. I'm like, God, I probably would have been working for NASA by now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because for us Latinos, that is something that is part of our culture sometimes where we are told that there is a limit to what we can do. And I don't think it's our parents' fault or their parents' fault. It, there's a lot of conditioned thinking mm. that is transferred from generation to generation. And one of the things that it took me a while to learn when I moved to the U.S. was that the possibilities were endless. Yeah. And there was so much more that I can do than what my mom would tell me, mm. for example. When I started my master's degree, my mom called me and said, oh my God, Mija, aren't you tired? You sure you, you sure you were? And right. I, God bless her. She, it, this is just her caring for me and my well-being, which I totally understand. But I had to say, Ma, 
people look at the credentials and I need to have them if I want to continue to grow. And she understood that. But a lot of other families are going through that. And sometimes the fight is at home. It's not always outside. That is truth right there. But the one thing I want to say, Elaine, Mm -hmm. is why technology is so important is because you and I both know it is a wealth gap you know, that we can close with technology. And that's the one thing that really gets me about contract workers versus people being hired and money and this and that, because it really does close that gap. And you and I have been talking about that, Mm -hmm. about, you know, you wanted to make money because you have these goals. I did as well. And that's part of, you know, why we want to work in tech as well. Because yes, because there is so well, much money. Yeah. And not only that, we're, we don't have the privilege of being supported by our parents. We actually need to yes. support our parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think about that. It's, it's very hard because I know people that are doing it right now. And it's sad because, well, just where we are in this country where everybody doesn't have the same, you know, right to health care. And yeah. One of the things I want to get to are the solutions. Like we talk about building the bridge to the younger generation. Mm. And I think we have, a, and this is part of the podcast of intergenerational wisdom being shared because it's so important for us to share what we've learned, you know, to give, to give back. So what do you think are some of the solutions? Yeah. So first I want to talk about the family because there is two parts of it. It's what happens at home in my experience. And it's what happens when you get to work. Mm. So especially for women in STEM, Mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we don't tell our kids what toys they need to play with, what colors, what colors they need to like. Um, Mm. I see that happening so often where girls don't think that they can be programmers or that they can be, you know, database experts because of what they're being told growing up and even today if you go to a big shopping center and you go to the girl section everything is pink uh even the messages <laughs> even the messages that we put on the t-shirts you know it's like flowers and unicorns for girls and then for boys is be tough and go out there and do it so i think that's part of the problem we mm-hmm. need to change that and then in the workplace there there is a ton of issues so i'll share a few with you uh, <laughs> So in the workplace, um, the first thing that I would say is that unconscious bias training is needed. In my opinion, it should be mandatory and it should be something that happens every year, not once and then forget about it. Because what I see is that people go to this training and then it never happens again and you tend to forget and go back into all habits. The second issue is the hiring process. I mentioned earlier that we should have blind auditions. Uh, If possible, let's remove the names from the resumes Mm -hmm. and focus on uh, the actual skills that the person has. But even more importantly, if I don't know if you've noticed job descriptions recently, they could be two or three pages long. Ugh. So what, what we are doing is we're creating a wish list and we are sending that off to the internet. And here's what happens. When women look at a job description, unless they have 100% of the qualifications, they would not apply. Mm-hmm. Men would apply even if they have only 60% right. of the qualifications. So you automatically keeping women out. Um, 
the next part is the interview process. Totally. We need to ensure that every candidate is asked the exact same questions. Because of unconscious bias, we tend to be comfortable mm-hmm. with people that look like us and speak like us. And then we deviate from the questioning because now we get along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's unfair towards the rest of the candidates that came by before you. And then once they are higher, don't forget about them. They need to be paired with a senior person. And right. we need to ensure that we create a safe space, uh, talking about psychological safety, we need to make sure we create a safe space for them to be mm-hmm. themselves, for them to make mistakes. I don't want to be one Elaine when I'm home and another Elaine when I get to work. I'm the same person everywhere I go. You can find any video of me online. I'm speaking to you the same way yeah. that I would speak to anyone else in my team. And that's difficult because we want to fit in and we want to be liked. So part of it is an internal process. But the last piece I want to mention and the one that I believe help me the most is is having mentors in mm-hmm. the workplace that can help. I, I was so lucky to have a mentor that guided me for the past 10 years. And my mentor would listen to me, would guide me, and would see things in me that mm-hmm. I did not see myself. And so it's hard because it's not always easy to find a mentor that you can work with. But if possible, if we can create mentorship programs, then uh, that, that would be amazing. Yeah, I think that's some good advice. I also Mm. think that, you know, going back to the ERGs, and that's a great place to really bring in leadership into those groups to be invited. But also, ERGs were created as well Mm -hmm. to give that safe psychological space. But it becomes very dynamic when you're hiring people that are on the outside that you're supposed to fit into that mold. Some people are cool. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. everybody's... Mm -hmm you know, mean or whatever. But I think leadership needs to be brought into those circles to experience those cultures, to sit down and have lunch with them, to listen to their conversations and to see. It's weird because it's supposed to be a group for them to be safe, but leadership needs to come in. So how real would you be if, you know, the VP of HR came and sat down with you, you'd be like, no way. Or product, product development. Yeah, or, that is know. a challenge. That is a challenge because we automatically tend to change the way we act when someone with so much power mm-hmm. is around us. And I think one of the advantages that I had is that I started as a help desk technician and I move up through the ranks with the same staff that I have today. So people that used to work with me now report to me and it helps me it helps them be more comfortable around me Mm -hmm. but I could imagine that being very difficult for someone who just came from the outside and you know there's five levels above you I don't have the answer to that (laughs) yeah it's a good question I mean it's still something to undo so the boardrooms that you're in and then also you know everybody says they have an open door policy Mm -hmm. in their organization like come and sit down and have a chat I think that's always good I think that's always good to talk to somebody that is higher up with you or to be partnered with as Mm -hmm. as a mentor or to try to get some some guidance as you say everybody should be doing that i always think that's a good idea yes my door is always open and they know it and if they don't come see me i go see them (laughs) oh that's nice (laughs) you have to but i think that's a cultural thing you know in my mind i really do i think that's a cultural thing we're we're held to so much 
accountability of everything from our facial expressions, how we look Mm -hmm. to the way we maneuver in the boardroom or how we, even as we're hired, you know, the way we communicate to the first person we talk to, everything is so scrutinized with us. And I'm talking, it's exhausting, It's exhausting, but just as a woman, right? Just trying to get in that door. So, and I'm putting, you know, just all of us together in this. And I really thought Mm -hmm. that your poem, I did read it, the, that I'd like you to share in closing, because it really does say a lot about how we all feel in my mind. And we're just not saying it. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, And I want to take a moment to pause and thank you for having me here today. It's been such a pleasure to with you. Thanks. So the, I, I love writing um, freeform poetry. And, and this was the last poem that I wrote. And the title is How Dare You Get Ooh. Angry? And this poem came to me at a time where I could understand the disadvantages for women of color if we were to demonstrate how we really feel. And so I will, I will just read yes, it to you. Yes, please do. Excellent, thank you. On female rage. Rage is our defense against injustice, against white supremacy and patriarchy. Welcome to hell. When did it start? You are too fat, too loud, too angry. Smile more and be a nice girl, we are told. Can women ever get angry? When is it acceptable? Get livid. Furious, outraged, choleric. Stop using passionate when angry. Fierce women in STEM disrupting the boys' club, mansplaining, and whitesplaining. Let us keep fighting. There is much to be angry about. Embrace your messiness and fight like a girl. Show your strength. Change is inevitable. Oh, I'm going to cry Thank right now. You. It's so good. Thank you. <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it's true. Um, it's true. I mean, if I was, you know, Kamala Harris last night, I just would have, mm. you know, I just would have just broke down that plexiglass. But you know what? The fly stole the show, so I don't even <laughs> care. <laughs> because that fly just said it all for her. And I, I just, I, I know she's dying right now just saying, I stole the show and that was my co-pilot there. (laughs) Yes. You know, and you know, regardless, I would say that regardless of your political views, I would say that it was a huge moment for women last night because it demonstrated what we go through every day Mm. of our lives. It demonstrated how difficult it is for our voices to be heard. And it demonstrated what's possible when you, when you are assertive and you don't give in. And so that was really good to watch. And and your poem is perfect for that. So thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, Elaine. So how can people find you? Yes. So you can go to 5xminority.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle 5X Minority and the same for LinkedIn. Awesome. That's awesome. Yep. So I'm definitely going to let people know about this bridge that, you know, a lot of us older (laughs) Chicanas and women of color that are building for the younger generation that we want you to succeed. That's our mission. That's my mission. I know it's your mission too. So 
Definitely, especially knowing uh, all of the people that helped me mm-hmm. be where I am. It is time now to give that back yeah, to others. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Elaine. I really appreciate you, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Well, thank you, Elaine, for joining me today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Again, we can find all her information and content at 5xminority.com, where her TEDx talk, The Value of Mentoring Women and Minorities in Tech, is on her website. And you can follow her on her social media handles on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Again, I want to thank our community out there, our global community, for following us at latinasb2b.com, but also latinasb2b.marketing for all your business resources and podcasting marketing services. We look forward to hearing from you, and thank you for subscribing to Latinas from the Blog to the Boardroom. Gracias. Gracias.